Hey, welcome back to Intimate Interactions. Let's get back to discussing the ways we share love and intimacy with our fellow humans. Relationships, kink, polyamory, group sex, it's time to unlearn stigma and live our best lives as our best selves. All thanks to my amazing Patreon supporters. Intimate Interactions has no ads but this one. If you want to keep it that way, you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. You get access to exclusive premium content like all of my coping with jealousy stuff. And hey, if that makes you jealous of my patrons, it sounds like it might be time to sign up. Free resources are available at victorsalmon.com slash resources, and book recommendations are at intimatepodcast.com forward slash books. Also, my Patreon supporters don't have to listen to this ad. Now, let's talk about the episode. Because giving anal sex is my primary form of penetrative sexual expression, it became essential for me to make it easier and pleasurable for others. Coaching someone who is receiving anal sex is more of an art form than a science, but there are certain skills that I find useful. You can coach yourself as well while you're receiving anal sex, something I do frequently given my experience coaching others. Another skill I forgot to mention in the episode is using one hand, or two, to hold the shaft of the insertable or a dildo or penis to shorten it. It's a great way to control penetration depth on the road to full insertion. The other option if you aren't using a penis is to use a smaller insertable at first. Or I suppose you could use fingers if you were using a penis. I find the interruption, though, of changing insertables to be maybe too disruptive of the experience for me personally, so I prefer to use a bigger insertable with a hand around the shaft for when the receiver wants more. There is also such a thing as too deep for a body in my experience of giving and receiving. Some recta, or rectums, are only so long. If your insertable or penis is too long for the butt you're inside, it will only quote-unquote turn pleasurable for a certain length inside before it's just uncomfortable. That can be sexy in the context of enduring something uncomfortable for someone else, if that's your fetish, but I don't think it's a best practice in my honest opinion. Ideally, you want to be sized for the person you're fucking, or if you have a biocock like I do, you can adjust their position to change the shape and length of the rectal canal. On their back with their legs up will be shorter inside than on their stomach with their legs down along the floor. Jazz Goldman returns in this session to discuss pegging as well, that is to say, strap-on sex in the bum. Since we've both given and received anal sex with each other, we have a lot to say about the experience. Enjoy. So speaking of something anal, actually, you know what? <laughs> Let's just start with me introing you first before I'm like speaking of anal. But this is how distractible I am when it comes to anal sex. It, uh, is, it is very much my jam. A subject of great excitation. Mm-hmm. Of great import. <laughs> All right, this is Jazz Goldman. Hey. Who is a person who has experience giving and receiving anal. Yes. Um, and we'll probably be touching on pegging and fucking people in the ass as well as all kinds of coachy things, ideas behind coaching. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit on our last episode about anal sex where we did more of an introduction about things like lube and about things like the emotional state that you're in. And about how, if you control your emotional state and your emotional state controls your inner sphincter, that's the one that's a few inches inside of your body, then you do also control your inner sphincter. You just don't directly control it. And depending on your level of emotional intelligence and bodily, like somatic mindfulness, your ability to feel what the inside of your butt feels like in different emotional states and sort of understand all of that, you have differing ability to control that. 
So there are other skills that you can work on just to make anal sex a little bit easier if you're the receiver. However, there are also things you can do as the anal sex top. There are ways that you can coach folks to help them sort of ease into anal sex. And there are also strategies you can use as an anal sex top not to go too fast, not to go too hard. And those are both really important pieces. I can see you grinning at me already, Jazz. We've so for, you know, full disclosure, we've fucked each other in the ass. Or yes. rather, fucked each other's asses. Yes. This is a thing that has happened. So it's probably laughable when I talk about not going too hard and not going too fast. I was not I withheld the giggle. You you, <laughs> you wanted to call yourself out. Yeah, I mean, you can you can bust me on that for sure. Well, it's like a half bust, half compliment because like, Are you describing the way that I pursued anal sex with you, like half busting your ass, half compliment? Or are you talking about busting my chops? Busting no. your chops. Got you. It's like half that, half compliment, because like, especially for my body, but I think probably for anyone's, you actually can't really rush it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. ugh, there's no can'ts because sex is a whole range of experiences for people mm-hmm. and people do tolerate withstand bear all kinds of things that in my head i'm like ah this is the thing that can't be done you know right right um so speaking for myself i can't do Mm -hmm. anal quickly Mm -hmm. unless i can so your your swift um (laughs) technique the first time we did that together is as much um you know my body's ability and sense of readiness than it was your I suppose that's true to get it in there you definitely also warmed up faster than perhaps before yeah and and we will talk about the tips but we had done other kinds of play first just the tips just the tips (laughs) sorry I had to you did (laughs) twinkly eyes I did so happy at your silly joke I know I laugh harder at my own jokes than anyone else laughs at them no, I laugh at a lot of your jokes. Aw. So do other people. Thank you. I just also delight in laughing at my own jokes. Because, like, there are times when I'm laughing and other people are laughing harder. And then there are the times when I'm laughing hardest and no one else is laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all are missing out. That was hilarious. <laughs> it has to start with self-love, right? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm... I'm getting to that place of self-love. So now that I'm just starting to access it, I'm like, yeah, I can deal with it starting here. I can deal with that. Talking about butt sex and dealing with that. (laughs) We were talking about moving more swiftly. And in your journey of receiving anal sex, it has very much gone, um, according to our last episode, you were telling us from not that swift and not that pleasurable and not that considerate of your needs over Mm -hmm. to more and more considerate of your needs and taking the time it needed to take. And the more people took the time it needed to take, the shorter that time became. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you cut cut to recently, like this weekend, Mm -hmm. it did not take hardly any time at all. I know. We were both surprised that time. Yes, we were both surprised at how quickly you body, your body was like, I am... My, or rather, how quickly you were like, my body is ready. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. But, I mean, like that that whole experience was its own like uh, it just shows like if you set things up well for anal how 
easy it can be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, we had a little communication about stuff and I kind of clued you in more to my experiences because our first time was so easy that you actually thought I had more experience with anal in that kind of way. And I was like, just so you know, that was an incredible outlier. <laughs> oh, really? So the first time when I went way too quickly, that was still an outlier for how easy it was for your body? The fact that I was able to keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, like, basically, my experiences up until February of 2019, which predates our, our meeting, but yep. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, was, was like, anytime... I felt up to it and agreed to do anal. I also basically expected it would not work out. Mm. Not because I didn't want to, mm -hmm. but because basically all the experiences had been that. Had been like, well, I'm going to try. Oh, not, oh, nah. You know, like, uh. like oh, we did, uh, but now it's Bernie or like whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. Um, even with people that were considerate. And because sometimes that happened. <laughs> Kudos <laughs> to my first girlfriend. Very considerate, very patient. Even though the anal experiences we had, I couldn't say that I loved them that much. Mm -hmm. um, Still, though, that, that consideration and patience can be really helpful in at least giving you more experience sitting, quote unquote, haha, in that, in that space. Yes. Yes. And like while, like I would say those were more neutral, as you had mentioned and with, I was, your, with yourself, you, you don't leave that kind of experience going, oh, that was horrible. Right. My body, ah. But it's not as if you're walking away going, woo. <laughs> right. You, know? you kind of walk away being like, well, that was a thing. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. felt some pressure. I felt a little bit of burning. I felt mm -hmm. some sensation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like super hard, but I wasn't really fed by it either. I think I always knew that anal was for me, though, because even in those experiences, <laughs> there would be moments I would get like a little glimpse of a lot of pleasure, you know, Wow. even if it was just for a sec. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big G-spotting person too. So like, I didn't think about that at the time, but I think, mm -hmm. you know, when, when <laughs> my body was able to, to chill, I would get a little G-spot in love and then I'd be like, Ooh. And then sometimes with butt sex, you don't really feel much of the genital structures. You're just kind of like pounding into a butthole. Um, <laughs> Speaking from the from the top perspective, <laughs> well, because we're both switches, yes. So we can put on bottom or top hats for this conversation, which makes us unique and interesting. I think, certainly as a person who loves talking about butt sex, I find it super interesting to hear your perspective. Genuinely, like really interested yeah, in thank you. hearing more about the lessons that you have learned from pegging. But we will get there. Um, and I've now that I'm thinking about pegging, I've almost right structures. Other times when I'm putting my dick in something, I can actively feel like, oh, that's the base of the cervix. Mm. Like, that's the stem leading into the uterus. Oh, this is the G spot. And I'm just accessing it through a butthole instead of through a vag. But ultimately, it's the same spot I'm hitting. Mm -hmm. That was the sense I got inside of you was that I was very much like I, I could landmark where I was mm -hmm. based on that, like, uterine stem. And, like, how was your experience receiving that? The, the most recent time? Yeah. Like, did you feel it hitting in and around your G-spot? Or, like, was it a different kind of pleasure for you? I'm just curious. Yeah. There, because now that I've, I've been able to have anal sex experiences of a, a length of time instead of, like, you know, 15 minutes or under kind of thing. Like, like a length of Really time. more like 5, 10 minutes or under was probably more realistic for most of the times right. I've tried. Right, right. 
um, I'm noticing some new things because I have enough time to settle into the whole experience. Mm. I, when you pointed out that you were like, I'm going to angle your G spot and did some, some sort of sexy talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so my brain was like, Oh, okay. You're going to try to do this thing. I think I noticed when you mentioned it and I, I'm not sure if I noticed otherwise because there's this other sensation that I get that is unique mm. to anal that's mm. like all shivery and mm -hmm. like waves through my body. Mm -hmm. And that is so intense and so good feeling that it kind of scrambles other things around it. So I get those, I get those shivers, but they're not pleasurable yet. So I will get that shivery like... Yeah, almost hypothermic kind of like shock-esque yeah. feeling. For yeah. me, it registers almost as shock-like symptoms. It doesn't register as a pleasurable or desirable symptom. Well, yet. I like sensation so much that mm -hmm. sometimes things that are supposed to be unpleasurable don't occur to me that way. It's also why I've been a, a weird person with some of the tops I've played with because they interpret things as masochistic tendency, and I am staunchly not that I right. do not believe or feel like I am a masochist at all. I think I'm kind of the opposite. I'm more of like a pleasure slut um, than a pain right. slut. I'm a hedonist, sure. Yes. I'm definitely a pleasure slut slash hedonist myself. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's interesting, too, when we talk about our anal sex journeys, because I haven't gotten to a place where receiving anal is actively super pleasurable for me. Certainly not orgasmic. Yeah. I think I've had one time masturbating with insertion where I was like, oh, I'm getting anal pleasure from this. Mm -hmm. And it has literally never happened again, even when I've tried masturbating. So, I mean, if I were talking to myself, I would say you should probably try masturbating some more and see if you can find it again. But, like, it feels like a lot of work. It feels like a lot of setup. And just like how it's easier to cook for other people rather than cook just for yourself, if someone else is like, I really get off pegging you, I'm going to be like, sure, let's do the thing. But if I have to do it myself, it's less likely to happen. Yeah. I was that way about G-spotting. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I tried and... I was just like, this is too uncomfortable and painful, and I didn't have a cool-ass toy like the Pure Wand yet, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. which takes care of all that curving action for you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not being paid by Pure. If you <laughs> want to pay me one day, please, but <laughs> I just love your shit. <laughs> it's legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's actually the sensation I notice more, is, mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. this shivery thing, which doesn't happen right away. It's like after a certain threshold of good butt fucking, then that sort of kicks in and adds to the experience for me. Interesting. Yeah, I think if I were experiencing and processing anal sex that I was receiving as a very pleasurable experience, I think the shivering would be seen as like, wow, this was so good, I'm shivering. Instead, it's just like, I had a neutral experience and I'm shivering, I'm slightly concerned. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. It seems like a side effect right now. Mm -hmm. But if anal sex were to become really pleasurable to receive, I think it's something that I would really appreciate about the experience. So I know what you mean when you say there's something else that scrambles things. Yeah. And there is something about anal that feels a little subspacey. Yeah. From like the shivering to yeah, just that experience of like things getting a little scrambled and processing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> there's like this. The only word I keep thinking of is, is like eternity, which can be such a thing for vaginal sex too. Mm -hmm. It's not a competition, but like there, there's this endless eternal sort of space 
mm-hmm. that I feel more now that is different from the subby feelings. Um, and it's just so cool. It's like butt sex space. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good name, but it's not a bad name. And we can call it bottom space if we want to try and be clever. Uh, as opposed to subspace but we already kind of use bottom space for yes non-power exchange subspace which says a lot about what we think about bodies in certain acts like the mm-hmm. fact that bottom got tied into that part of kink when anal sex has existed forever and happens <laughs> that way you know i don't know i just think well just because of the way we think of tops and bottoms yeah, we have a lot we associate with those words, too. Even historically, superior and inferior literally mean top and bottom. Right, right, with um, anatomy and stuff. With anatomy specifically, but, I mean, we use it for hierarchy as well, mm-hmm. superior and inferior. So when we Probably think about... it comes up in math, too, right? Not sure. Just in hierarchy in general, we use it. Um, might come up in math. Do not know personally. I was thinking of algorithms or something. I don't... But I don't... I'm... Are you thinking of, like... When, when functions are prime? Something like that. Not important. <laughs> <laughs> Out of my depth. Well, and, Why did I even mention it? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so getting back into your depth then, let's talk about anal sex. I, I'm happy that at least got a snicker. So how do you... So you've, you've pegged people. You've fucked people in the ass. Yeah. Um, tell I'm me about that. doing it for a long while now. How does it... Like, firstly, what do you, what feeds you? Okay, of- yeah. So, right, I love giving. That was, that was one of the ways that I maintained connection to anal play that was positive. Was I was like, well, my butt's, you know, useless for this, and it's always a problem and difficult. But there are other folks who love it, and their bodies respond, and whoa, is it the coolest ever to be a, a participant in that. Um particularly with mask folks and a lot of that had to do with my experience and my journey through gender and now it doesn't stand out quite as much unless I'm explicitly doing power along with the pegging and then I'm like ha, 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 mask I'm pegging you you know um love it <laughs> but um if that's absent you know these days I I'm not thinking so much about people's gender with it but I I loved the the yeah, I mean, like, all the things we were just saying, the bottom energy that is often elicited from anal, like, I just loved watching slash being part of why that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, and I get, I get a kick out of, out of pegging with a strap on specifically because I'm small and it's a, <laughs> it's a way that, I feel like I can step outside of my physical stature and mm-hmm. be like a big person, which is more how I feel like inside anyway. Sure. So in a sense, having like a prosthetic penis allows you to put on any size or shape you want. It's interesting because... Yeah, it like facilitates my sort of energetic shape shifting, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to say, I can't remember who it was, whether it was Amy Purdy, but it was, it was, I remember listening to a Ted talk where someone was talking about, um, the, the non-negative things that get associated with being disabled in certain ways. 
Mm. And how like even the very use of the word disabled implies that it's a negative. Mm -hmm. Whereas folks that, for example, don't have legs past the knee um, can put on prosthetics that can be used for sprinting or that can make them taller or that can make them shorter. Mm -hmm. And they have like this certain ability to do things that are beyond the normal scope of the human body. Right. Because past that point, what they have is now customizable in mm-hmm. a way that both won't won't reach exactly what a human body will do or look like probably it can approximate it mm-hmm. but we we tend to view that as a negative when it can also be a huge positive right yeah there's a whole way of looking at w- what you described can also f- kind of fall into the body modification way of looking at sure interacting with the human form mm-hmm. um and yeah, a lot of people, similar to how they treat um, differently abled folks, is, you know, mm-hmm. with body modification, they look at it and they're like, oh, why would you do that? Or like, this isn't right. This isn't normal. This isn't what humans are meant to do, et cetera. Right. But that's all fucking bullshit. Right. And actually, it's super amazing that folks have this ability to adjust the scope of what a human body can do. Yeah, I'm... fuck yeah please push cybernetics and do cool interesting new things like show us what humans can do yeah yeah and again that's not saying for all the fear mongers out there that people will be forced into cybernetics i'm just saying having options for folks that are like well i don't have this thing but i I can now have all these other things and there's so much choice that comes with that and the only reason i'm bringing up any of that is because when i think about strap-ons i think of them like prosthetic penises Mm-hmm. I don't I don't tend to think of them as this like like dehumanized thing. I think of them very much as an extension of the wearer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people framing it that way um have an advantage when doing things like strap-on blowjobs where I think a strap-on blowjob can be super sexy and can be super exciting for both people. It can be. Right. For me, it's, I think, more exciting to see the reaction out of the wearer when mm-hmm. I'm sucking on a strap-on and I'm doing a good job, mm-hmm. um, a quote-unquote good job, whatever that means, because mm-hmm. it's it's subjective to the wearer. Yes. But, like, choking myself on your strap-on, for example, and gagging, that was something I started doing more because I knew you liked the sound that it made. Mm-hmm. So when I heard you, you really liked the sound that it made, I was like, oh, I will happily give you more of that. So, like, even though my preference isn't necessarily to choke the shit out of myself. Which is not necessarily mine. Did you like the sound? Yeah. Then I feel like mission was fucking accomplished. Yes. I'm pretty happy about that. So, yeah. Anyways. The point being, thinking about strap-ons as prosthetic dicks is such a neat tie into what you were saying about, I feel like a small person but inside I'm really big and being able to put on whatever strap on I want of whatever size or shape or thickness gives you a presence. People treated me differently uh, immediately. Like I, I remember the experience of putting a strap on for the first time and just kind of walking around the, the play space that I was in and I walked differently and everyone reacted to me differently. And it was like f- the, my friends, it wasn't even people that I was trying to fuck at the party. It was friends that I come with who I was not sleeping with. And they were just like, ooh, look at you. Or I mean, I don't even fucking remember what they said, but I just remember 
oh, oh, I had no idea that I could feel so different just putting on two, two articles of, of not clothing. One of them is kind of clothing. I feel like a harness is a clothing, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it, it depends on what your relationship is to the dick in your strap on. The other thing that I, that about that feeling of like bigness is like <laughs> one of the first mask people, if not the first mask person that I ever pegged um, is over six feet tall and like a couple, <laughs> over 200 pounds. Right. Um, and feeling like I was owning that ass mm. gave me a very larger than life sensation. And, you know, I was like at times basically like hanging off of their body and bouncing my hips, you know? So I like what it looked like was a tiny person bouncing around and that is not what it felt like you know and right. i would argue probably not for them either this is kind of a yoda with a lightsaber kind of deal i'm <laughs> 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 unprepared for someone to be like i was ravaging this six foot tall 200 pound man as a tiny person and all i felt inside was like mm. oh and your butt i did <laughs> That was not very good yoga. <laughs> That's okay. Better. That's okay. Um, so did you... <laughs> so once we've gotten through the Yoda giggles here, um, and have... Because I have these images of you doing the Yoda flips off walls and stuff and just landing your strap on square in this, in this human's asshole. Um, <laughs> I love how you're like, that is not how it happened, Victor. There was not much how it happened. And, and those images time. come from the prequels anyway. <laughs> you're like, that doesn't even count as Star Wars. <laughs> My Yoda just barely walks quickly. Yes. Much less bouncing around rooms. Talk slowly, walk slowly, die slowly. Really, everything that Yoda does is really freaking slow. When I am gone, the last <laughs> of the Jedi. You will be. Uh, this <laughs> that is why was we more get Gollum. That was more Gollum, but I was also laughing really hard. Very related, though, in, in <laughs> terms of... Uh, <laughs> Okay, I stop with the Star Wars. Oh Someone's my God. gonna come for us anyway. Quoting the movie. The Force is a is a different kind of uh, of of One Ring, anyways. Um, right, coaching others when fucking them in the ass. How we got to Yoda? Oh, it's all my fault. Um, I mean, that's not so bad though, because Yoda's a, a teacher. <laughs> You're like I taught that ass. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, I, I was going all on field and I had, I had basically no skills the first time that I pegged someone. I, I had natural skills because they enjoyed themselves and they gave me good feedback. But the whole time I was winging it. <laughs> You're winging it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm trying to back off of all the Yoda quotes because as soon as, as soon as, yeah. Let's just not. Let's just not. <laughs> gonna be giggling about it the whole episode now all right um so how do you coach others when they're gonna be receiving pegging from you if they're newer how would you approach coaching them through the process of i am going to fuck your ass now if you want me to and it sounds like you want the experience of having been fucked in the ass well but the whole experience of learning to get fucked in the ass well doesn't seem like you have a lot of experience in that yet how do you coach folks in that situation? Um, I think 
the way you phrased it is is like a, a kind of energy for the whole situation this whole like what did you just say it seems they, like they want the finished product you know before that you're like it seems like you would like to do this if you want. Yes. That pairing, like... this is what you're looking for if you want, and really emphasizing the you and wants is like the meta main coaching thing you can do. Right. Because of there's so much weird programming with anal sex, and then depending Cent- on the gender the of the person, there's all their programming. Well, not depending. Any gendered person has their gender programming. Um, and... And so just reinforcing that this is about your wants. Mm -hmm. And then I like to really narrate. My technique was using gloves and fingers for a long time. And either I had better gloves then or I got lucky Mm -hmm. because that hasn't been successful recently. Mm. But that that was kind of how I would do it. I would walk people through and be like, okay, we're going to use a lot of lube now and take time with that. And I would, I would, I, um, definitely try to coach around breathing Mm. for entry Mm -hmm. because one of the ways you can attempt to will that inner sphincter is by just having some good deep breathing going. Sure. Um, I often tell people to want it. I was like, if you really want this dick inside your ass, it's going in your ass. But if you don't really want it, I probably shouldn't put it there. And if they're like, yes, like I want it inside of me, it's like, okay, but you've got to like greedily envelop this dick in your ass, right? <laughs> like you have to will it in telekinetically and your butthole will open for it. I also don't typically try to do um, phallic penetration. You do fingers more, or or, or toys. Whereas I love using toys. And... I find the softness and flexibility of either flesh or of like a softer silicon toy is a really good starting point because there are no nails and no cuticles. So it's harder to fuck up as long as you don't go too quickly. Yeah. Like I yeah. wouldn't, I don't put it in further than you would put fingers in if you're going to be doing stuff with fingers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there are going to be folks who have super tight buttholes versus having more open buttholes to start with Mm -hmm. and my advice is whether it's a finger or a dick sure a finger will hurt less if it's too tight to push in don't push in go go back to just coaching the person to want it yeah and be willing to take as much time as that takes and if the position maybe it's the position you're in maybe go to a different position maybe their body works better in a different position or they're holding one limb slightly up or they're off balance and as a result they're engaging muscles the whole time the last thing you want to do is stab a finger into an overly tight butthole that doesn't want it there even though it hurts less than putting a dick in so i think you i think for me and that's probably just relative to to the idea that just cuz it's bigger it'll right. hurt more right. like that may not even be true for the person's body mm-hmm. Like, it's really just don't fucking force your way into a butthole. With anything. (laughs) Make it about the receiver. Don't force your way in with anything. If the person's like, I want you to push harder, you can also get them to push back on you. Yes. Yes, that's a really great technique because, yeah, I mean, like, allowing the receiver to control the depth of entry and the speed of entry is just it's an easy way to do a great job with anal where you're not doing as much. You're really letting the person run the show. Mm. Um, and they're a lot less likely to push themselves past what they can actually do. Mm-hmm. And because of having that control, they 
are also probably more likely to relax into it sooner. Mm -hmm. And then if you are a person who wants to be in control of the butt experience, you can grab those reins again or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it is also important if you are a human with a penis and you want to insert that inside someone's body and erections matter for you, it's important to consider the process. If you're going to be there for 20 or 30 minutes, very slowly getting almost no stimulation to your sex, you might want to do that training with a silicon toy. Because mm-hmm. it may be uncomfortable for you to wait that long, and it may be uncomfortable for you to get some stimulation. And my honest opinion is please do yourself a favor and wear a condom. Um, yeah. Not because anything's especially dirty, but because even the smallest amounts of smeary things, um, matter that is there, could potentially give you a UTI. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty freaking lucky and pretty resilient against UTIs, even when I've been having unprotected anal sex and I've had a lot, like more than I should probably admit, um, just because it's not a specifically safe practice. Other than my first ever unprotected anal sex partner, I was a virgin then, except for that person. Um, I have not been fluid bonded ever with someone who wasn't testing first. So mm-hmm. we had both tested um, and we tested negative for all the things that we test for, which is not all the STIs, but it was all the things that we test for. And I was like, cool. Um, there is no lower risk I could confirm for doing this activity. And this is an activity I really wanted to do. Typically, the people that I have known that have contracted STIs from doing unprotected anal are... I mean, and this is such an anecdotal piece of useless information, but I'll share it anyway. They have all been monogamous folks that were in committed relationships who didn't do testing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like... It's anecdotal, but it's also a common anecdote around yeah. STIs and monogamy, I'm saying, not yeah. anal sex particularly. But yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it is really safe to be only having sex with one person. That is going to reduce your risk of... If cat- you're only having sex with one person. And, but even if you are only having sex with that one person, if both of you have had sex with other people in the past, the only thing monogamous about what you're doing is time. Mm-hmm. For someone who fucks, you know, six people over the course of, let's say even 10 people over the course of their life, um, and maybe they're fucking like four at once at one point versus someone who's fucking 10 people and they fuck them all for longer periods of time, but with breaks in between each one, mm-hmm. who do you think is more likely if they both use the same amount of protection, like it would really depend. Right. It, it, it depends on so many things. We like to say that it's always the non-monogamous person that's taking the bigger risk. Yeah. But there and are so many sa- like more unsafe practices too. There's that assumption that comes. There along. is that assumption. And I think what's happened is as a result, non-monogamous folks tend to do more STI testing. They tend to be more careful using condoms all the time. But what do you do if you're a non-monogamous person and you want to have unprotected anal? And what I have currently done is I have been like polyfidelitous when it comes to unprotected sex, which is to say I'm only ever fluid bonded with one other person who's only ever fluid bonded with me. Um, And that's not because I'm averse to more of like a closed system of several people who are all fluid bonded to each other, I'd be open to that. But again, it would be subject to all of the parties of that agreement, all going to get tested for that agreement. And then maintaining a sense of not having unprotected sex outside of that agreement, 
and then coming back in to have sex with someone within that agreement again without getting tested first and allowing the appropriate period for quote unquote quarantine or, you know, allowing anything that they may have unlikely contracted or. Yeah. yeah. And the, the folks that I've come across who have like a four or five people that are essentially fluid bonded, mm. um, they do try to test at the same time, if not actually do every time where right. they plan it out. Because that's just smarter in that and you're, circumstance. And you're not just, quote unquote, cheating on or betraying, quote unquote, one person. If you breach that agreement, you're now also betraying your entire intimate community. Yes. And like that can be devastating in its consequences to those people, but also to oneself. Yeah. So it's it's extremely, it's there's so much more of a consequence to being dishonest and there's almost no benefit in my mind. I can't see what someone would get out of being dishonest in that arrangement. But that's just me personally lacking imagination because mm-hmm. humans have no end to their crappiness. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to get dark there. So coaching others about receiving pegging. I'm hearing we talked about backing up onto it, mm-hmm. putting putting the locus of desire on the bottom, but then putting the locus of control on the bottom as well. Mm-hmm. Those are things that will help your quote-unquote cause if your cause is pleasurable anal experiences. Never too much lube. We said yeah. that in the last episode. I want to say that again anyway. Especially with water-based, there is never too much lube. Yeah. yeah. I feel like with silicon, it is possible to have more lube than you need. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the cons- sexy in a different way. Ah. That's all slippery. The, um, the only consequences I can see from that is if you're not using something like um, I have an impermeable throw that is a fuck blanket for lack of a better term. Um, can't remember how much it was or where I got it, but it was a gift. That's why. Mm -hmm. Um, but it covers my entire queen size bed and it's got like, it feels like fabric on both sides, even though it's it's soft, it's synthetic on the inside. I think it doesn't sound like plastic. Um, but because it's fabric, it grips on the other fabric. So it doesn't tend to slide around too much in the bed. So it doesn't tend to get scrunched up or like move too much. Yeah. I was kind of all like, the first time I came up, I brought my liberator sheet because I felt like it was a polite, nice thing to do to have like a fuck sheet. That is really thoughtful, like <laughs> incredibly thoughtful. You could have even, you did actually mention it to me in advance. I was on my cycle, so I didn't want to bleed on things. Right, right. That's fair. But um, I was like, you were like, I've got my own thing. And I was like, oh, mine is super nice. Blah, blah, blah. And then oh, I think yours is better. <laughs> it's bigger. It's Aww. really soft. And it doesn't slide around like that. The liberator sheet really does slide around. Yeah. It's a materials thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes fancier materials don't always do the thing. Yeah. Even though they're more expensive and nicer in some ways, it's like they don't always. Anyways, we've talked it to death. Um, And for anal, that makes sense as well. Throwing down something to protect your your sheets or your mattress. Because it is possible there's going to be, especially with silicon lube, that you'll get like discharge of lube, um, which... Um, Savage is the name of the person I'm thinking of. I love how that's the one I was searching for. I knew that he called it Santorum, but but Savage, Dan Savage, I, there it is. I had to think really hard to remember that name. Oh, that's right. The but Santorum the, nickname. That's his best. It is his best coining of a phrase. I think. Any kind of anal sex lube that gets expelled after <laughs> anal sex <laughs> is called Santorum. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> it does. 
we don't need to go into the history of homophobia behind the person that's named after, but no, I'm that just, is a thing. I was just happy for a moment to think that free speech won. <laughs> you know, right. like that that could, could have been a thing that would not be allowed in, in other places and other times in America. Mm-hmm. But at that time, Dan Savage was able to make that nasty thought mm-hmm. be connected to a live person who was a politician of power, you know? Yes, a highly homophobic one. So, do you, so you've talked a bit about getting your ass fucked when it was harder. Do you want to talk a bit more about what it's like getting your ass fucked with less prep now that it's a little easier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's 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 start at at the beginning of this, which is February 2019. Yeah. I found myself at a fabulous private sex party and um had all the fun kinds of usual sexual acts that I engage in um, and found myself at the end of the night chilling with the person and still connecting and still vibing. And I found out later, they, they said this to me as a joke, but um, this person, you know, whispered in my ear, so you ready for my dick in your ass? And, you know... This was b- before I'd had easy experiences, so, like, it cracked me up because I thought to myself, Psh, nah, that's not really going to happen. But I was so turned on and knew the benefit um, physiologically of having had that much arousal for that many hours and, you know, engaging. When you say benefit, you mean, too, how easy or how much easier it makes anal sex, receiving Correct. anal sex for you? Yeah, and in and, and general for others, like... So there's a tip I forgot to say, which is one of my favorite tips. Do other sexual things that you already know you enjoy. Um, Bring yourself to orgasm if that's something you can do also regularly. Those are great ways to prep for anal. And as a person with a penis that doesn't necessarily orgasm lots, I would orgasm like I think recently we did like three times in a day, which which isn't large or small. To me, it sounds very much like an average number. Um, but there are a lot of folks that don't necessarily come three times a day. So I just want to say like, if you're a one and done kind of human, yeah, then don't. probably, probably don't want to, yeah, but you, but you get might get yourself hot and do things that make you feel really yeah, turned like, on, like really turned on. Yeah. Like you want to start getting, uh, she's, it really depends. Cause like you have more experience with actually getting to the place of really enjoying anal. Mm-hmm. But for me, the closest I've gotten is when I've gotten a little bit turned on to start anal but I'm also really com- comfortable and competent at making anal happen even when I'm not turned on. So I might be biased. But once the dick is inside, being able to then start masturbating and then getting really turned on and then getting focused on something else that really turns me on mm-hmm. while I'm also getting fucked in the ass. And that gives me like the ability to really focus on my pleasure from something else Mm -hmm. and then when my butt grips the phallus inside of it kind of bears down in it a bit because you know and you get really when when i as an amab human gets really aroused every once in a while i'll squeeze my pc muscles that like the pubococcygeal muscles right at the floor of your pelvis that kind Mm -hmm. of control um like if you need to stop yourself peeing Mm -hmm. um that's the muscle you squeeze yeah and that's also that muscle tends to relax when you try and pee as an AMAB human as well. When, I say, when I'm saying AMAB, I'm saying assigned male at birth for those of you that don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I say it often enough now that I like have stopped prefacing it with that. And I mm-hmm. think it just made my stuff less accessible. Oh. Sorry. You were saying though, get yourself hot and bothered before trying anal. Yes. And, and so with this, uh, you know, the marker of my new renaissance with anal, um, oh, the I rectal was... renaissance. Ooh, that's what I should start calling it. Um, but yeah, I, I knew I was in, I was in a really good prep place to try. And so I just turned to the person. I was like, I'm willing to try. I didn't give them my whole spiel of like, this usually doesn't work. But I was like, nah, fuck this. I'm excited. I'm actually excited at even being asked. How <laughs> unusual. Let's go with it. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just really shocking. Like, um, their their strategy was really pretty good, you know. Um, it was like a lot of sort of teasing strokes, not trying to push in, but pushing against, sort of, if that makes sense. Right, trying to hold firm where they were and maybe give you a little when you pushed back on them a little. Yeah. So matching, matching the speed in the other direction. Like if you pushed back on them a bit, they would push against a little. No, it was more like, maybe I'll say it another way. It was more like nudging in. So like a little push and then sort of waiting and then pulling back a bit and then a little push and and then they've sort of gained ground bit by bit with that while also allowing time for me to get used to the circumference of their cock, you know? Right. Um, And then there was this point... When, you know, like I, I was starting to get a little nervous and put pressure on myself and I sort of was like, I don't know if I can take much more. And they were like, oh, well, I'm basically all the way in. And I was like, what? Cause that was, <laughs> I mean, it was really the first dick in my ass in probably a few years. You know, maybe even more than a few years, because while I would keep trying to have good anal experiences now and again, I usually didn't try with a cock or right. a phallus of any kind, you know, because right. so you only just, had negative experiences with them. Yeah. And I was just like, nah, let me make it easier on myself and, you know, keep things manageable size. So, so they got their cock in and, and I was like, whoa, my body can do this. And then I kind of don't really remember thinking much more beyond that because my body allowed for the full length of their, of their body in me. And then we were just fucking and like, like that is still a fun and exciting sentence to say, like we were fucking anally, not Mm -hmm. trying Mm -hmm. actually doing the fucking. And like I experienced you know, just thrusting style stuff that I don't think I had before then because apart from awesome Eric back in my early days and taking an hour to slowly work his way in me, I just couldn't manage any anal with a phallus long enough to get to what I felt like was fluid fucking experience. Mm -hmm. So, So that happened and it was awesome 
I had a whole like parallel spiritual sort of thing that accompanied that, which was really cool. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, I'm just literally clearing my throat. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next couple of times that I hooked up with that person, I was able to, to have anal with them each time, except for one time. And That's that so was exciting. actually the time that I couldn't mm -hmm. was, was, um, was after camp because I was a little worn out from you. Oh. Wow, <laughs> and so... even then I was able to, to do it. We were able to achieve penetration and fuck a little bit, but I so just... So you'd had, you'd only had two positive anal sex experiences before we, we did anal? Did I, did I mishear you? Uh... Two positive, like, phallic-oriented anal experiences. Well, that's incredibly yes. flattering. I'd had I'd had good experiences with my pure wand. Sure. That like that was sort of a, another bridge moment. Mm, like mm. when I discovered that you could use the pure wand anally, and the small end worked just fine, which is actually small if you're someone who's been struggling with size and mm -hmm. anal stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was kind of an uh, a link. But but apart from that toy, yeah, yeah I have a pure one just... as well. So <laughs> I brought mine. I travel everywhere with it. I've mm -hmm. taken that out of the country, not just out of the country to Canada, but like to Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> Probably took it to Puerto Rico too, if I had one at that time. Although caution if you are taking it through an airport because it is a solid piece of stainless steel and if they make you throw it out it's really fucking expensive. They it's leak I've I've only taken sex toys to places that I know it's legal to have them and I've never heard of anyone having a pure wand confiscated. The eleven yeah. could. Yeah. Um but what's what does often happen is that you'll get searched. Like, right. be prepared if you bring some steel in your carry-on, they're going to want to look at it and they'll probably ask you what it is. They won't know. And then you get to embarrass them real quick and have them finish their search really quick by going, that's my sex toy, <laughs> which right. is kind of my fave because I'm not embarrassed and I'm mostly just shaming the TSA for their terrible practices and ignorance. How could they not know about sex toys at this point? They don't come across... Thousands. I'm sorry. They, they must. They must come across, especially like something as as brand and flagship as the Pure Wand. It right? would shock me. They had literally never seen one before. Like the name is etched on there. Right. You know where to look for it. I and, guess. But it's also a brand name sex toy that is as labeled. It's not just like it's a hunk of stainless steel. Right. Right. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. So yes, you should be complimented. That's that's part Thank of why I, I had to talk with you after. Nah. That was like I discovered a boundary thing. I was like, I need to have aftercare combos. Is because you didn't know and it was like big deal for me. Right. <laughs> I mean and I knew once we talked that you didn't have tons of experience with it. I didn't realize it was literally your third time. And since then We've gone on to have anal sex, like, what, like, a, f a few times? Like, it was less than two weeks and and four times, I would say, recently. Mm -hmm. Possibly less than that. Mm -hmm. And you seem to be, like, off to the races, as it were. <laughs> Who knew? We also tried a different position that might work better for your body. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we've, like, had enough comfort that we're just 
messing with positions. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the question of, is this dick going to go in your ass in a non-horrific way that <laughs> you later in later are very grateful for, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, is typically not a question anymore because we know we can get to a place and that there is some pleasure there. Yeah. So there's, like, a mutual desire to go to that place together. And there's also, I think, a mutual sense of care to keep you safe and make sure that it's not harmful to your body or to your experience. Yeah. 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 I know you're, you're good at that. Thank you. Well, this whole episode is to talk more about how we do that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious before we sign off. um, My last question, other than advice to curious people is just about what your experience was on the top side, pegging me, someone who also struggles to have pleasurable anal sex on the receiving side. It's, I feel a huge sense of responsibility and I put a little bit of pressure on myself because I want everyone to have amazing anal experiences if they're like already trying to do that on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it's like is I'm trying to listen with every way that I can listen um, and just exude gentleness and like non-pressuriness and like it's all good feelings because Mm -hmm. any any of the thoughts that would counter those sentiments are just ultimately distractions and 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 obstacles to pleasure Mm. um yeah i mean like my job as someone who's trying to shepherd a person through anal is <laughs> is is to to just be really kind and patient and and show that there's no expectation here there's no wrong way to do this and there's like whatever needs to happen is what was meant to happen i guess that sounds really kind of bland and corny but i mean mm. it's, it's it's acceptance is what it is and I think there is an element of frustration in a lot of this kind of um, rehabilitation or in a lot of, because like a lot of us have injuries from anal sex. Yeah. Um, I've been incredibly fortunate that I'm not someone who's been injured anally. Um, but a lot of us have injuries from anal sex, especially if we're coping and like that's its own healing process and your body will remember. So that is a whole piece of this that we didn't talk about but if you are a survivor of trauma you should definitely in my opinion like look at that and consider what you need and maybe taking this back like this is the right thing for you Mm -hmm. and maybe it might help to have some professional support or if that doesn't suit you it might help to have some friend support yeah or it might help to just tell the person you're working with by the way there are huge landmines here for me and what we're doing is incredibly difficult because in my opinion, I think they deserve to know just so that they can keep themselves emotionally safe if things do go wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, mean, in general, if you've got a, a trauma history and have the ability and sense of safety to communicate it, that's a good thing. If you have, yes. It may seem counterintuitive, but it is a good yeah. thing if, if you can, you know. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel, too. I just didn't know how to say the if you can piece, but that is very essential. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you have any final tips for people who are about to try pegging? If they want to negotiate it or they don't know how to table things, there will be different episodes on those topics. But t- 
tabling and negotiating are also valuable skills when you're approaching anal, but we're talking about actually doing the thing. My advice is to be as creative as you are patient because <laughs> because there are so many ways to experience anal pleasure. Yeah. There's just so many ways you can get to stimulating your sphincters and your rectal canal. Yeah. It's a little late. I folks like who are listening. <laughs> I like that canal and anal are so close together in spelling. I mm -hmm. it's also mm -hmm. very late for me. This is this is why I'm making nonsense now. No, that was that was just wordplay and I just needed to scan it in my brain and now I'm with you. <laughs> canal and now. Got yes. it. Are you are you too tired to peg me tonight? Mm -mm. No. I think we should end this podcast then. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Have fun storming the castle. So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or directly on patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. Both communities are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com. So what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Disclaimer. I apologize if I said something that hit a nerve or played off a hateful idea or stereotype. I'm open to being called in. Chances are, in six months, I'll look back aghast and see something problematic I've since grown from. I'm certainly not perfect, but I am trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. You can email feedback to podcast at victorsalmon.com. Thanks for your kindness. Attribution. The tracks I use are published under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The intro track was Lost Souls by Portrayal, and the outro track was Resurrection by Uncle Milk. Land Acknowledgement I apologize first for any pronunciations I might butcher. I wanted to acknowledge that I recorded this podcast on the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Stazuminus, Stolo, Sawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Shout out to the Sekwepmek Nation, on whose land I got my degree, considering the Kamloops Indian Residential School closed only in 1996 when I was 10, I have found nothing but unending patience and kindness in the Tekemlupste Sikwepmek folks with whom I've interacted. Let's never forget genocide in the hope we don't make the same dehumanizing, cruel mistakes again. Thank you.